you need, it seems to me, excuse the lecture, uh, to concentrate on what the news is today. Not a leaked draft, but the fact that the draft was leaked. On that. Oh, I see. So you'd like us to look over here, Senator, instead of over there. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Got it. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites except for Spotify, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Just trying to keep up with it all. Thank you for joining us for the broadcast. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I have been trying to make pretty clear in recent weeks on this program that while history and so-called conventional wisdom suggest that Democrats are in for a shellacking this November as they hope to hold on to their barest of majorities in both the House and Senate in a midterm election year where the party in power generally takes a pretty bad beating. I've been trying to point out that it would be a grave and and frankly self-defeating mistake to assume that conventional wisdom is correct, given that these are, as I have been trying to underscore, anything but conventional times. The much safer presumption with arguably democracy itself on the line in advance of the 2024 presidential elections, which may come down to which party, the Democrats or the pro-authoritarians, control which chamber of Congress, uh, not to mention democracy and freedom itself on the line, as you may have noticed over the past 24 hours. The safer presumption between now and November is that all bets are off when it comes to history's models and conventional wisdom as we barrel towards this November's more critical than ever midterm elections. If you believe in American democracy, if you believe in personal freedom, 
If you oppose autocracy, now is a really good time to get busy and start working as if this year's elections are crucial to all of the above, because if we can take anything from the past 24 hours, they absolutely are. I would also add that these could be potentially some of the last elections we might ever have. So now's the time to fight for them. Well, that's a bit darker than I am willing to go, Desi Doyen. I know, but, but somebody has to say I it. was going to say, that's why you're here. Um, let's start here today. Uh, in 2020, uh, AP Exit polling found that 69% of voters in the presidential election said the Supreme Court should leave the Roe v. Wade decision as is. Just 29% said that the court should overturn the decision. That's a more than two-to-one opinion from voters in the 2020 presidential election that abortion rights should remain legal in the U.S. in in general, as AP polling has subsequently found a majority of the public favors abortion being legal in most or all cases. New polling of all Americans, not just voters in the 2020, but all Americans, uh, new polling from just last week published today echoes those findings from 2020. A large majority of Americans say the Supreme Court should uphold Roe v. Wade, the landmark ruling that established a constitutional right to abortion, according to a Washington Post ABC News poll conducted last week. With the GOP's packed and stolen court now poised to overturn the right to abortion, this survey finds that 54% of Americans think the landmark 1973 Roe decision should be upheld. Yes, I know, just 54%. That is a majority, but it sounds like a very bare one. On the other hand, it's not. Just 28% in this poll believe that Roe should be overturned. Again, a roughly 2 to 1 margin. According to this brand new polling done last week, prior to the stunning news from Monday night that is likely to shake up all of these numbers, last December, the uh, Supreme Court heard a case challenging a Mississippi law that would ban abortion after 15 weeks. Such a restriction seemed forbidden by Roe v. Wade and a subsequent decision called Planned Parenthood v. Casey from 1992 that affirmed Roe, finding that states um, could not place undue burden on the right to abortion before fetal viability, which is usually about 22 to 24 weeks. Americans even more overwhelmingly support permitting abortion in certain specific cases, according to the new polling. 82% say abortion should be legal when the woman's physical health is in danger. 79% say abortion should be legal when the pregnancy was caused by rape or incest. 67% say abortion should be legal when there is evidence of serious birth defects. Despite varying opinions about when abortions should be allowed or not, still 70% of Americans say that the decision of whether a woman can have an abortion at all should be made by the woman and her doctor. Just 24% compared to 70%, 24% say it should be regulated, yes, by big government laws. Most of those in favor of big government regulations coming between a woman and her doctor opposing the freedom of reproductive rights, well, they just happen to be Republicans. 
You know, the same Republicans who have spent years lying to you that they oppose big government intervention between a person and their doctor and that they support freedom in all its forms, especially when it's used to purchase and use deadly weapons. The 70% majority of Americans in last week's polling saying the decision whether to have a baby or not should be left to a woman and her doctor, that actually declined slightly from November's polling where uh, it was 75%. I suspect those numbers in any event are likely to change again very soon. Roe v. Wade was originally decided by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1973 by a 7-2 to margin, including five Republicans at the time who voted in favor of establishing it as an unenumerated constitutional right. In other words, one of many such rights that are established by the courts and the people which are not explicitly named, not explicitly mentioned by name in the Constitution, but for which the Constitution grants the right to the people to establish, as they did with Roe v. Wade. But times have changed, apparently, along with the shifting political calculus of the Republican Party. The Supreme Court, as we have been trying to warn on this program, is preparing to overturn Roe v. Wade, no matter how popular. That following their unprecedented refusal to allow a Democratic president to see the Supreme Court justice for a full year after Antonin Scalia died in February of 2016. And after Republicans blew up the filibuster uh, thereafter to allow then-President Donald Trump to seat three radical activist right-wingers on the court with bare Senate majority votes in their favor. That was also unprecedented, including one with uh, who had serious allegations of sexual harassment against him, and another who was seated just eight days before the 2020 presidential election, won by Joe Biden. Just one of the reasons why I refer to the Republican packed and stolen Supreme Court majority. That packed and stolen 6-3 court was engineered by the Republican Party to do what they appear now ready to do in the Mississippi case. That's Dobbs v. Jackson's Women's Health Organization. To overturn the constitutional right to an abortion, even though the Dobbs case does not even ask them to. That case would make it unlawful for a woman to have an abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. This court, however, according to a leaked draft of the majority opinion published Monday by Politico, would allow states to ban abortion in all cases, all cases, doing away with that 50-year precedent. Also offering no exception, just want to underscore, no exception for rape or incest. The uh, the post ABC poll finds uh, that 57 percent of Americans oppose their state making abortions legal only in the first 15 weeks of pregnancy, while a similar majority, 58 percent, oppose limiting abortions to the first six weeks of pregnancy, which Texas has already been doing for months, despite that law being in strict violation of Roe. But the party of law and order seems to have little interest anymore in either law or order. And the radical right Supreme Court supports their flaunting of long-established precedent and settled law, apparently, as they could have, but they did not put the Texas law on hold before it went into practice in the Lone Star State as they figured all of this out. 
But as I'm sure all everyone has heard by now, if not, uh, congratulations, you've just woken up from a coma. In a stunning exclusive reported by Politico's Josh Gerstein and Alexander Ward on Monday night, the Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision, according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Sam Samuel Alito and circulated inside the court. It was obtained somehow by Politico. The draft opinion, they write, is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and of the subsequent 1992 uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey decision. Roe, quote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, writes Alito. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overturned. Uh, he writes in this document labeled as the opinion of the court, quote, it is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. That's Alito in this 98 page draft decision, which the court has now confirmed to be, in fact, authentic. But it's a draft, so it could still change before its final version is released. People could change the way they uh, they choose to vote on this matter. Uh, the release is most likely set for late June or early July. Justices can and sometimes do, in fact, change their votes as draft opinions circulate and major decisions can be subject to multiple drafts and vote trading sometimes until just days before a decision is unveiled. Uh, but the immediate impact of the ruling as drafted in February would, in fact, be to end a half-century guarantee of federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and allow each state to decide whether to restrict or ban abortion. Almost half of the states already have laws in place that would immediately or almost immediately ban abortion as soon as the opinion is published, if this opinion remains the court's majority opinion. Uh, as Sawyer Hackett, advisor to Texas's Julian uh, Julian Castro, uh, pointed out on Twitter after the news broke, quote, the second that Roe is struck down, it will be a first degree felony punishable by life in prison for a Texas doctor to perform an abortion for a woman who was raped and impregnated by a family member. Got that? If you're raped and impregnated, even by a family member, you will be forced to carry that baby to term in the great state of Texas. A, uh, a person familiar with the uh, court's deliberation told Politico that four of the other Republican appointed justices, along with Alito, include Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. They had voted with Alito in the conference that is held among justices after oral arguments back in December. And uh, Politico reports that that lineup remains unchanged, at least as of this week. Word quickly leaked out uh, to CNN after Politico's report that Chief Justice John Roberts, at least for now, uh, did not vote with the majority in this case. Still, it gives that majority a five to four uh, majority opinion if these votes don't change. The three Democratic appointees are said to be working on one or more dissents, according to Politico's source. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, writes Alito. 
Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. Consequences, And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. Well, if you think Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division, guess what your opinion is about to do, Mr. Alito? But the constitutional right to abortion was based on other opinions from the court, based on the right to privacy found in the 14th Amendment. But while Alito is arguing that abortion is unconstitutional because basically it's not mentioned specifically in the Constitution, well, neither is the right to privacy. So I'm hoping that right-wingers who like this opinion will keep that in mind if it should come back to haunt them. And while many will tell you that, oh, don't worry, this ruling, even if even if it remains anything close to what Alito's draft calls for, it would not actually make abortion illegal nationally. That's true. Only in states that choose to make it illegal. Well, if that's what you think, there is this story from yesterday's Washington Post that I didn't have time for on our broadcast yesterday. This before Monday night's astonishing exclusive from Politico broke. Uh, the Post reports leading anti-abortion groups and their allies in Congress have been meeting behind the scenes to plan a national strategy that would kick in if the Supreme Court rolls back abortion rights this summer, including a push for a strict nationwide ban on the procedure. That if Republicans retake power in D.C. The effort, activists say, is designed to bring a fight that has been playing out largely in the courts and state legislatures to the national political stage, rallying what the uh, Washington Post describes as conservatives around the issue in the midterms and pressuring potential 2024 GOP presidential candidates to take a stand. The discussion uh, reflects what activists describe as an emerging consensus in some corners of the anti-abortion movement to push for hardline measures that will truly end nationally in all 50 states the practice that they see as murder and it will reject any proposals seen as half measures. This is a whole new ball game," said Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life Action, one of the nation's biggest anti-abortion groups. Uh, she said the 50 years of standing at the Supreme Court's door waiting for something to happen is now over. So, yeah, these folks play the long game, including, by the way, Sam Alito himself. And while we'll be joined momentarily by a guest we haven't spoken with since Brett Kavanaugh was busy lying through his Senate confirmation hearings, here's Sam Alito doing the same back in 2006 during his confirmation hearings, which, yes, we strongly opposed at the time. Here he is being asked whether he believes that uh, Roe v. Wade, the law that he's now just written to overturn in full on behalf of the Supreme Court majority, he was asked, in fact, uh, if if stare decisis, settled law, settled precedent applied to Roe v. Wade and must be respected by the Supreme Court. So here's Alito's lie under oath at the time in a Senate confirmation hearings in 2006, answering a question from Democratic Senator Dick Durbin. Do you believe it is the settled law of the land? Roe v. Wade is a, an important precedent of the Supreme Court. It was decided in 1973, so it's been on the books for a long time. 
It has been challenged on a number of occasions, and I think that when a decision is challenged and it is reaffirmed, that strengthens its value as stare decisis for at least two reasons. First of all, the more often a decision is reaffirmed, the more people tend to rely on it. And secondly, I think stare decisis reflects the view that there is wisdom embedded in decisions that have been made by prior justices. And, of course, that was Sam Alito lying about Roe v. Wade as settled law, as stare decisis, because, in fact, it has been challenged several times before the court since then, and it has been affirmed several times by the court since then. Remember all those Republicans, all of those years opposing Obamacare, pretending to be furious about the idea of big government coming between a person and their doctor? Wasn't that darling? And mainstream media reported it, unlike us, as if that was actually a thing, as if Republicans actually meant it, as if they were actually opposed to big government interceding in some fashion in health care, as an outrage to the freedom of Americans to determine their own health care options, even though Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, in fact, did no such thing. But as to that right to privacy which Republicans may soon learn uh, also is not explicitly mentioned in the Constitution. Our friend Mark Joseph Stern, court reporter at Slate, who's been repeatedly warning for months now on this program that, yes, all of this was absolutely coming soon. He warned last night in response uh, to the Politico story, uh, Alito disavows the entire line of jurisprudence upon which Roe rests, the existence of unenumerated rights that safeguard individual autonomy from state invasion. Alito asserts that any such right must be, quote, deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition and access to abortion has no such roots. Well, he didn't mention that at his hearings, did he? The obvious problem, writes Mark, with this analysis, and and I'm not sure it's actually a problem for many of the folks who are trying to ban abortion. (laughs) Uh, The actual problem with this analysis is that the Supreme Court has identified plenty of, quote, unenumerated rights over the years, which lack deep roots in American history. Most recently, he notes, the court established the right of same-sex couples to be intimate in 2003's Lawrence v. Texas and to get married in 2015's Obergefell v. Hodges. Alito dismissed both decisions in harsh terms, mocking their, quote, appeals to a broader right to autonomy as a slippery slope. The, quote, high level of generality in their reasoning, he wrote, could, quote, license fundamental rights to illicit drug use, prostitution and the like. It is difficult to square this opprobrium toward Lawrence and Obergefell with Alito's later assurance that his decision on Roe in this leaked uh, draft, quote, should not be understood to cast doubts on precedents that do not concern abortion, unquote. So this is only about abortion. Everything else in this opinion you should disregard when it comes to anything else. Mark writes, this unreasoned disclaimer is not worth much on the heels of 62 pages shredding dozens of precedents over a half century. 
Now, Mark doesn't mention it in his article, uh, though many others have over the past 24 hours, but also 1965's Griswold v. Connecticut, establishing the right of married couples to purchase contraception without government restrictions. That was the precursor decision to Roe v. Wade. If Roe falls under Alito's reasoning, there is no reason to believe that Griswold and the right to birth control cannot be similarly banned by states under the very same legal reasoning. But they would never do that, Brad. Really? Really? That's also what we were told when, in fact, Maine's theoretically pro-choice Republican Senator Susan Collins was told by folks like Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh before she voted to pack the two Trump nominees onto the bench for lifetime appointments after the radical Republican Party in the Senate used the nuclear option to do away with the filibuster on all Supreme Court nominations for the first time in history. On Tuesday, Collins said that if the draft reflects the final opinion of the court, quote, it would be completely inconsistent with what Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh said in their hearings and in our meetings in my office. What a surprise. Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, who is also theoretically in favor of abortion rights, but voted for Collins and the uh, with Collins and the Republicans to pack the court with these radical right wingers. She told uh, reporters on Capitol Hill today, quote, my confidence in the court has been rocked. Welcome to the real world, Lisa Murkowski. Uh, anyway, uh, she's now calling uh, on a proposal with Collins to legislate abortion rights. We will discuss that in a moment with my guest, who is not Mark Joseph Stern. He's uh, he's on vacation, but he knocked out a piece for Slate before leaving on Monday night. And he concluded by warning, uh, quote, no matter how this draft reached the public, its release is one of the biggest Supreme Court stories ever. It will alter the justices' continued deliberations over the next two months, deepening resentments and recriminations between the warring camps. There is still time, he says, for a justice to flip. An opinion is not final until it is announced, but the court generally completes its business by the end of June. So the clock is ticking. And right now, a majority appears to be careening toward the complete and unapologetic eradication of Roe. Yes, they do. Let's take a quick break here, and we will be joined by another longtime court watcher and attorney, Jessica Mason-Piclo of Rewired News Group. She's straight ahead right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. The Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. In response to Monday night's stunning and apparently unprecedented leak of a draft majority opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court that would overturn the landmark 1973 Roe v. Wade decision establishing a constitutional right to an abortion in all 50 states, 
uh, and an opinion that would overturn the subsequent 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey decision that by and large affirmed Roe. President Biden on Tuesday issued a statement reminding Americans that his administration, quote, argued strongly before the court in defense of Roe v. Wade back in the Dobbs v. Jackson women's health case uh, last December, the case where Mississippi was hoping to win approval for their ban on all abortions after 15 weeks. Uh, The uh, Biden administration argued to the court that the Roe is based on a long line of precedent recognizing the 14th Amendment's concept of personal liberty. Alito laughed at that, said there actually is nothing at all in the Constitution that allows the right for a woman to have an abortion. Joe Biden went on to note that, quote, if the court does overturn Roe, it will fall on our nation's elected officials at all levels of government to protect a woman's right to choose. And it will fall on voters to elect pro-choice officials this November. At the federal level, he said, we will need more pro-choice senators and a pro-choice majority in the House to adopt legislation that codifies Roe which I will work to pass and sign into law. The president did not note, though we did in the previous segment, that it's not only a matter of protecting reproductive rights at the state level, but at the federal level, where anti-choice Republicans are now preparing a national strategy that would, after SCOTUS allows states to end reproductive freedom at the state level by banning the procedure, allowing big government to interfere in medical decisions between a woman and her doctor, as they used to pretend to oppose, at least when the issue was President Obama's attempt to help 30 million Americans get access to health care at all. But they are planning a national strategy to pass a law at the federal level to ban abortion in all 50 states. Not going to happen? Sure. We were also told for years now, including by Republicans like Senators Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, that overturning Roe v. Wade would also never happen. But it sure looks like it is about to if the unprecedented leak of Justice Samuel Alito's draft opinion written for the court majority in the Dobbs case in Mississippi, completely overturning Roe and describing it as, quote, egregiously wrong from the start. Uh, and must, along with Planned Parenthood v. Casey, be overturned in full if that all comes to fruition when the final decision is published over the next two months. Well, anything could happen. All bets are off, including at the federal level. Joining us now for insight into all of this is Jessica Mason-Piclo, known far and wide on the Twitters as Hegemami. She is Senior Vice President of Law in the Courts and Executive Editor of the Rewire News Group. She is also the co-host of Rewire News Group's legal commentary podcast, Boom Lawyered. She has over a decade of experience as a former litigator. She was the former Assistant Director of the Health uh, Law Clinic at Hamlin Law School in St. Paul, Minnesota, where she taught for four years before transitioning to journalism What was she thinking? She was also part of the SCOTUS blog symposium on abortion rights following Whole Women's Health versus Hellerstadt, the landmark 5-3 ruling in 2016 
finding that Texas cannot place restrictions on the delivery of abortion services that create an undue burden for women seeking an abortion. My, how things have changed in just a few short years. Jessica mason Piclo, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always such a pleasure. We, uh, I think it was a long time ago since we spoke to you last. I think it was during the contentious Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. Mm-hmm. Back when Susan Collins said she had no concern that Roe would be overturned if she voted to seat him on the court. We will get to her in a second where all of this goes from here in a minute. But you warned at Rewire News Group back in June of 2021 that Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health in Mississippi, uh, the leaked decision that we're discussing today, uh, quote, really is the biggest abortion case in decades. Why was that clear to you at the time last year in June? There was no reason for the Supreme Court to take up the Dobbs case unless it had plans to overturn Roe versus Wade. Mm. That's just a fundamental fact. The landscape at the time that the Supreme Court took Dobbs mm-hmm. was this. And let's talk about just how far we've come even from this. At mm-hmm. the time, and the law at issue in, in Dobbs is a ban on abortion at about 15 weeks mm-hmm. in pregnancy. At the time, there was not a single federal court in the country that thought that law was constitutional. Every court that had looked at this issue, whether it was Mississippi's law or copycat laws in other states across the country, mm-hmm. had said the Constitution, Roe versus Wade, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, very clearly do not allow states the power to ban abortion before fetal viability. Then Amy Coney Barrett happened. Right. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah, because your, your piece in June, that was before Amy Coney Barrett was was even on the court. So you already exactly. were thinking, and it's interesting now because it's believed that uh, Chief Justice uh, Roberts is not currently voting with the majority uh, which would end up being a five to four decision, I guess uh, it would have been five to four with his vote as as you were writing about it back in in June of twenty one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the time when the the Supreme Court took the Mississippi case, the question was whether or not the court was going to uphold the Mississippi law within the confines of mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. So as of June last year, even the state of Mississippi hadn't asked the Supreme Court to formally overturn Roe versus Wade. Right. They did that later in the proceedings. It's a full bait and switch. Yeah. They do that later in the proceedings when Amy Coney Barrett's on the bench. They know that the opening is there. And so, you know, I, I mean, I will tip my hat to anti-choice activists who have really plotted this strategy mm. over the course of a decade and more yeah. um, and knew when to strike. And they really, truly did. So, Jessica, many of us uh, have, you and and us as well, have been uh, sort of expecting this decision, uh, at least since the argument, the oral arguments back in December when they when they uh, Mississippi strongly made the case to overturn Roe altogether, as you note. Uh, And in fact, we've been trying to warn about it for some time. Nonetheless, I got to say that leak from Politico on Monday night was still incredibly disorienting, I think is the best way for me to describe it, both because of the content of the draft decision uh, and the way it was leaked. A lot of people are, you know, concerned about the way it was leaked. Sure, that is some concern, but I am much more interested in the content of the leak itself. Let me just get your sort of top line thoughts on 
on all of the above, what we should take away from from this, uh, if you've had time to make sense of it a little less than uh, 24 hours later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, disorienting is exactly right. You know, abortion in the courts has been my sole professional focus now for a for a decade, mm-hmm. and it was disorienting to me as well. I mean, I fully expected this. I had been pre- preparing myself for what would an opinion written by Sam Alito or an opinion written by Clarence Thomas mm-hmm. in this case, what would that look like? Nonetheless, it completely took my breath away to see the words on paper. Mm-hmm. It's There's just nothing, there, there's just no experience like that. And then to actually get into the meat and potatoes of the opinion that doesn't just call for a full reversal of Roe, that really attacks privacy rights writ large, Mm -hmm. makes it clear, telecasting, that they're coming for things like marriage equality, Mm -hmm. right? For, you know, for Lawrence um, and the former sodomy bans, you know, Mm -hmm. that they're coming for birth control. All of those things is there. Fetal personhood is there. There's just so much to be concerned about the plans that they are there. Mm -hmm. And then to have it happen in a leak, which, as you noted, is unprecedented. And, I, you know, I've been kind of spinning back and forth in terms of whether or not, you know, who, you know, sort of what the palace intrigue stories are around that. Mm -hmm. And I will say that, you know, in terms of the court itself, um, there are a handful of justices who clearly don't care that the public sees it as an illegitimate institution. They're power drunk, and they plan to do what they can while they can. And one of them is clearly Alito, which you could tell just yes. from the way, uh, from the snark sort of uh, throughout his entire opinion on this. I mean, he mm-hmm. he doesn't care not only about the effect of this decision, but, uh, I mean, he almost seems gleeful about it and, you know, kicking everyone else in the teeth if they don't agree with him. So you uh, weren't—I'm glad you mentioned uh, this business about— This not just being about abortion. Uh, We've discussed on this program with Mark Joseph Stern, you know, that overturning Roe will lead to overturning marriage equality, potentially even Griswold's right to uh, contraception, Mm -hmm. etc. You agree that none of that, none of those warnings are too big of a stretch at this point if uh, a draft that looks anything like this actually becomes uh, finalized. No, we are absolutely, none of those uh, are are warnings of are we are going too far afield at all. This is absolutely the direction that the court is going. And we've heard inclinations even in the recent confirmation hearings. During the Kavanaugh hearings, mm-hmm. you may recall that Senator Chris Coons was very concerned about the Glucksburg test and substantive mm-hmm. due process. And mm-hmm. all of that conversation was because he had been hearing from advocates who said the anti-choice community is dead set on overturning Roe versus Wade, and they know it's politically unpopular, so they're going to lie about it. And we need to really call those lies out. Well, you know, senators like Coons tried to, and what did Kavanaugh do? He lied in his confirmation hearing, right? Yeah, yeah. Amy Coney Barrett did. You know, they call, they said these things are precedent upon precedent, that this is settled law of the land and that my job as a justice is to recognize that. There's nothing in those statements that will be reflected in the opinion that the court releases. 
Which is why, if I recall at the time when we had you on the show, when we were talking about those uh, Kavanaugh hearings that were going on, he was busy lying uh, about, you know, sort of dumb stuff at the time, what he did or didn't write in his yearbook. And I think I had asked you at the time if he is willing to lie about those small things while they weren't all that important, you know, to his uh, ability to sit on the court. But if he was willing to lie about those sorts of things that didn't matter, can't we assume he was more than willing to lie about these things that do matter? And clearly, he was lying. Uh, Maine's Republican uh, uh, Senator Susan Collins, who supports abortion rights in theory, uh, she was a pivotal GOP vote for the uh, confirmation of both Justices Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh after Republicans blew up the, uh, the filibuster to pack them onto the court. She said that if the uh, if the draft reflects the final opinion of the court, quote, it would be completely inconsistent with what Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh said in their hearings and in our meetings in my office. Your response, Jessica, to Susan Collins. I mean, you can't see my face, but I'm wearing <laughs> my shocked face right now. Right. Like, this, I mean. Of course they misled. The, the you know, sort of feigned naivety of, of Susan Collins and, and some of these other senators is just too much to bear at this point because real lives are at risk now. Yeah. This, isn't, this isn't a hypothetical, right? This isn't an intellectual exercise anymore. We're not wondering what will happen when the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. They've just told us they're going to do it. And so what will happen is at least 13 states will immediately ban abortion. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, people will will die. People will be forced to carry pregnancies to term that they didn't want. You know, people will be pushed down into lower economic uh, situations than they were before. It's none of the outcomes are positive. And so Susan Collins can't run away from that. She knew. She did. Uh, but I guess she didn't uh, didn't want to believe herself. I, and, and again, you know, with all the lies that they were busy, that he was the Kavanaugh in particular was busy telling. I mean, she had to she didn't care. She I mean, she had yep. to know he was lying and she did not care. Also, uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, uh, theoretically pro-choice. She voted with her party to seat Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, as I recall. She told reporters on Capitol Hill on Tuesday, quote, my confidence in the court has been rocked. She called for uh, she called for uh, legislation to protect abortion. You know, it just makes me think, how did these people become senators in the first place if they are this gullible? Anyway, she called for legislation uh, to legislation to protect abortion rights. Joe Biden now uh, appears to be doing the same. But in reality, Jessica, what are the odds of that with 60 votes needed to pass anything in the U.S. Senate uh, unless Democrats agree to reform the filibuster, uh, which, you know, Democrats, Manchin and Cinema have already vowed uh, they would not. I, I, you know, I expect to hear a lot of talk about protecting the right via federal legislation, but I mean, good Lord, what are the odds of that happening? Yeah, I mean, they won't, you know. We've already got Joe Manchin out there saying he's not going to reform the filibuster. Without filibuster reform, none of this kind of legislation will pass. And at the same time, we have Republicans talking about their plans to, you know, try and enact a Texas-style six-week abortion ban across the country Mm -hmm. should they take, you know, um, power in the next election and, and win the presidency. So there, it's really the time for leadership from Democrats 
was frankly five years ago, mm-hmm. but they really need to get on board right now. I mean, it's, it's wild to me that we are not browbeating the two Democratic senators who are standing in the way of filibuster reform at this moment from in- inside the party. Like, it's just wild to me that we're not. I, I should note, by the way, uh, Josh Marshall over at TPM today, or, or maybe it was last night, he actually, he's, he's a bit more bullish on being able to, uh, to codify Roe into law. Uh, I'm happy to see. I'm happy to see someone is. Uh, you know, he says that it actually, in truth, I mean, it's not going to happen before the November election. But if Democrats can actually pick up just two or three seats in the U.S. Senate, then this is possible. Then you can, you know, you can forget about Mansion mm-hmm. and Cinema, and you might be able to pick up two or three seats where they would be willing to uh, uh, do away with the filibuster in order to make that happen. We will see. I'm not quite as bullish as he is on that point. But you wrote on, on Twitter uh, after the news broke that, uh, quote, the only way out is through this. <laughs> what did that mean? I hate being forced to quote Winston Churchill in a moment like this, but here we are. Um, that this, there is not an easy fix. Folks are panicking. They're seeing the reality of the moment uh, historically that we're living in, and, and they should be panicking, frankly. We all should be panicking. It is, we, are, we are entering really dark times for civil rights in this country, brought by minoritarian rule on the Supreme Court. So this isn't one election cycle to fix. This isn't two election cycles to fix. We are now engaged in a project of generational repair, is how I refer to it on social media, Mm. building back the gains that have taken, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years in some cases Mm -hmm. to win. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy. What what does it tell us, you think, about our political system? And actually, I think you sort of hit on it there by uh, talking about minoritarian rule. Uh, but what does it tell us about our political system and our legal system when, you know, America, Americans favor uh, the, the public favors keeping Roe in place by something like two to one margins, according to a new polling out just today from ABC Washington Post. That was done before this news on Monday night. It was a poll from last week. But Americans, you know, pretty massively uh, want to keep Roe v. Wade in place by a two to one margin. The court doesn't care. What should we take away from that? Well, the court doesn't care because at least three of those justices, four, mm-hmm. perhaps, maybe more. Um, if I, you know, it's been a long day already. But uh, we're appointed by presidents who didn't win the national vote, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who didn't win the popular vote. Yep. So we, like, the entire system has rot in the core, if that is how we are lawmaking, right? I mean, truly, right now, Congress is functionally broken. It's the Supreme Court that's doing the most amount of policymaking. Mm. right now activists and it's completely captured yeah a- a- activist justices the exact thing that republicans always pretend they are against mitch mcconnell uh today i think said that uh, we we should not focus uh on on what is in that draft that we should be focused on the leak of the draft and the outrage of that leak and actually as i said you know there's been a lot of a lot of the coverage i have seen over the past you know nearly 24 hours at this point 
has focused on the leak. What does it mean? Chief Justice John Roberts has apparently uh, asked for an investigation into this. I'm loath to even spend much time on the leak. I almost I don't care. I'm grateful, I think, to whoever leaked it. Your, Your response to McConnell, you know, don't look over there. Look over here instead. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very classic Republicans. They will run away from the damage that they incur all the time, and we see them doing it now. And, you know, in terms of this nonsense about, you know, is the leak bad, is the leak good, look, 90% of what the Supreme Court does is under the shadow of darkness. Mm-hmm. It is wild to me that we are in a democracy, and there is zero transparency when it comes to the Supreme Court. You know, for the first time, thanks to COVID, we have live-streamed oral arguments. I don't know that that will stay. You know, Mm -hmm. but they should. My take is that, quite frankly, we should be able to see drafts of majority opinions all the time. That Mm -hmm. should be more regular. Mm. It should not be work that's done in secret if it's legitimate work. Mm. Excellent point. And by the way, that streaming that we get from the uh, Supreme Court is still only audio. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, that only came about because of the pandemic, and who knows how long it's going to stick around. Jessica Mason-Piclo, I have been warning listeners for some time not to buy into the so-called conventional wisdom that Democrats are going to get clobbered and you know likely lose their majorities in the House and Senate this November. Of course, it certainly could happen, and, and history tells us that it will happen, but because these are decidedly unconventional times. I think it's uh, a mistake to follow the conventional wisdom, and I've been making that warning even before this uh, this news broke on Monday night. Is it possible to predict at all how this news might shake up what many in the mainstream media think they know about November? Uh, you know, I, I think all bets are off. I mean, the, what I will say is historically... These are issues that motivate conservative voters more than they motivate progressive voters, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Conservative voters turn out for abortion all the time. That's why they've been so successful in these campaigns. Mm-hmm. Will progressives respond in kind? I certainly hope so. If not, now when? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's been so many years that and, and, and it's sort of become a joke. Oh, they always tell the Democrats, always tell us we must vote because we must protect abortion. And as if, you know, a lot of Democrats did not buy that. They believed that Roe v. Wade would, you know, stay the law of the land. And it's going to be very interesting to see now that it may not be the law of the land, how that affects the electorate this November. And if Democrats start voting the way that Republicans do, by the way, and and I realize this is just you have. No inside skinny on this that I know of, but <laughs> I, do, do you have a sense? Is there a chance? I'm just looking to get something hopeful to leave here with, Jessica. Is there a chance that somehow uh, right now they have we, we know that they have five votes in favor of this uh, if, if Politico's reporting is correct? Is there any chance that the release of this information somehow changes that and that uh, Alito's obnoxious majority opinion uh, does not become the law of the land? Um, I, 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 I don't think so. Um, but I will say this so that we don't end on a completely dour note. Mm-hmm. We do know that the justices in the past have 
changed votes. Mm-hmm. They've changed their minds. They've, you know, written opinions that, you know, were going to originally be majority opinions and turned out to be dissenting opinions. And Sam Alito is one of those justices. He didn't change his mind. But last term, in a case called Fulton versus the city of Philadelphia that involved uh, religious refusals um, for foster care and adoption placements into LGBTQ uh, families, mm-hmm. Sam Alito wrote a dissent in that case that many legal observers, including myself, said read like it was a majority opinion to start, and that there must have been something that happened Mm. or something that went on to change the direction of that case, because instead of granting a broad license to discriminate, which is what Alito would have done, Mm -hmm. the court functionally punted in that case and Mm. didn't resolve the issue. And they'll have a chance to, to do that next term. At a different time, I can come on the show and talk mm-hmm. about that later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so there may be some horse trading going on is motivation in the league. You know, the other option is, sadly, that it was done to really solidify the, the, the meat and potatoes of that opinion. Because going back and changing it substantively, the argument is, will do more damage to the reputation and the institution of the court by showing just how political it is. Mm. I, I don't know. I think, you know, you can probably go either way on that. And we are in such unprecedented times, I don't even have a clear sense. <laughs> and uh, sadly, I mean, the fallback here would be falling back to what you had warned about last uh, June of last year, the, the 15-week uh, you know, that would be sort of the compromise here to allow the 15 the week ban. And I, I, I guess the most pathetic part of it all here is that perhaps the person most likely uh, uh, believed, you know, winnable to change his vote would be Brett Kavanaugh, that huge liar that you and I were on the air warning about <laughs> a year or two ago. Yeah. What a mess. Jessica Mason Piclo can be found over at rewirenewsgroup.com, where she is a senior vice president writing about law and the courts, and she's also the executive editor. You can find her on the Twitters at Hegemami and also on her podcast, which is probably really busy these days, called Boom Lawyered. Jessica Mason Piclo, always great speaking with you. Thank you. Let's not make it a year or two until we have you back again. Sounds good to me. Thanks so much for having me back. You bet. Thank you. Okay. Uh, uh, it's just an extraordinary day. Yes. Uh, in an extraordinary year, in an extraordinary decade. Yes. I hate to say. I know. There's really no uh, no other way to say it. This is where we are. We will take a quick break, come back with our closing few minutes on today's Extraordinary Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from 
Bradblog.com. Uh, Desi Doyen, uh, we had a lot to cover there. Haven't had a chance to speak with you about all of this. And by the way, sorry, we're going to kick your Green News report down the road to hopefully tomorrow's broadcast. No but worries. Uh, your thoughts on this past extraordinary 24 hours and the next, oh, I don't know, 24 years or so. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a generational project, as Jessica mason Piclo just said, a generational project to restore all of these rights that have already been eroded. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's clear that the right-wingers and the right-wingers on the Supreme Court plan to completely dismantle pretty much all of the civil liberties that have been uh, developed over the last 100 years. If they can get away with it, if, why wouldn't they? Exactly. Why wouldn't you if you can. This is their decades-long scheme to get here. Mm -hmm. So first, um, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that uh, one commentator said that there is no reason to assume that this leak was from someone who was averse to the ruling, that it could be a way to lock in the the wording of Mm -hmm. the ruling and to give states with trigger laws time to adjust their laws to be even more restrictive in, in time before mm-hmm. the actual ruling and comes out. And that's one of the points that Jessica made that uh, at this point, the, if they do change it, oh, look how political the uh, the Supreme Court is. They were responding to all to of the this. To the public pressure, and that's why they changed the so ruling. So that could be so to lock it in, indeed. That's yeah. one reason. And then also, I think uh, Alito had mentioned that uh, in his opinion that the rights to an abortion and that reproductive care is not r- deeply rooted in history. And he ends up citing some pretty ancient law. Back when women were property. So, yeah, women being property, that's deeply rooted in history. Ancient, ancient history, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think what we're seeing here is that, um, yeah, right-wingers do not believe that women own their own bodies. They do not believe that women are full citizens with full rights, and they're going to do everything. And Alito even lays out a roadmap for these litigants to overturn rights to contraception, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. rights to marriage equality, rights to interracial marriage. I mean, really, who knows where it will stop? But remember, they're not radical. They're conservative. They believe in freedom. <laughs> and they liberty. would uh, never. They don't want big government to come in between uh, a woman and her doctor, or their freedom, or their liberty. And I think the important thing here is that the corporate media keeps reporting that lie exactly as such. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll continue to tell you the truth. Meanwhile, over here on the broadcast, thank you for joining us for it. Thanks to my guest today, Jessica Mason Piclo of Rewire News Group, to my producer, Desi Doyne, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated, always an honor. If you missed any portion of today's program, Download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You'll also find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters when I'm in the mood at the Bradblog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. It's all been a pack of lies.